Hello! I'm Priyana. I'm Sarah. And we are the the Squad Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Oh, and let's hope the rest of the year is not so creepy. I know. Hey, well, we survived oh my the God. first week. We survived of the 2021. Okay, at this point, <laughs> I feel like we need to put 2020 on a month to month until 2020 can 2021 can figure it out. Agreed. Because this is crazy. <laughs> I like the the meme that I saw posted on Instagram. It says, um, <laughs> "I would like a refund uh, to my subscription to 2021." Dude, who? But but seriously. <laughs> Who had on their pandemic bingo card capital stormed by crazy MAGA losers in Chewbacca costumes? Like, oh, that wasn't who, on your bingo card. No. <laughs> <laughs> who had that on their pandemic bingo card? Nobody. Oh, oh man. In case you didn't know, we support everyone's right to believe whatever they want to politically. And I'm happy to debate how best to use our tax dollars and things like that in the States. But when you storm the Capitol and murder people, that's where we draw the line. Not allowed. Wow. Mm-mm. Nope. <sighs> Just wow. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. It's been a week already. Been a year already. I know. Off to great start 2021. Right? <laughs> it's been interesting. But to make it better, I have a joke. Okay, go for it. Well, I mean, I'll make it a little better. I don't know if it's going to clear the whole... Anyway, it's not going to clear the whole thing of what happened. (laughs) But So, my joke is, what is the witch's favorite crime show? I don't know, Brie. What is it? America's Most Haunted. Oh my god, that's awesome. (laughs) It sounds like something we would watch. That is cute. (laughs) Well, I have a joke for you. I'm ready. What do you call an annoying pumpkin who does stupid stuff? I had a different answer, but go ahead. <laughs> X is not... Well, it could, could have been an X. But anyway, I digress. Well, no, I was thinking something else that's kind of orange, but never mind. <laughs> well, the, the orange thing that may or may not be the leader of the free world. Here, exactly. Like, before time comes <laughs> that, up. That was the answer I was thinking of. Well, you know. That, that would have been acceptable, too. Um, a, and, I mean, he does act like this. A jackass o' lantern. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. Yep. Yep. Uh, I like it. I think our uh, both of our jokes um, have a little bit of something to do with things that are going on. Oh, my gosh. Stop storming the capital of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I think they said the last time the capital was stormed was like in the 1800s. Correct. You, War of 1812. Oh. I see. I, I know some history. Oh, and then it was burned. Did, did, did. Mm-hmm. But yes. I studied. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I was not a history major, but. I was not either. Mm-mm. Nope. But also put the right history in there. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Just saying, it's time to change those books, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, anyway, shall we get into our booze news? We shall. Hey. Booze news, booze news. All right, so yes, it's 2021, but this year marks the 25th anniversary of the Quentin Tarantino Robert Rodriguez collab from Dust Till Dawn. Oh. 
Yeah. And of course, you know, it spawned two sequels and a television series that ran for three seasons. It wasn't that bad. I don't think I made it through all of it. I mean, once it, it when it got into the third, I was kind of like, eh. like the first and second was pretty cool. Nice. Not too bad. But anyway, and according to Rodriguez himself, a brand new re-release is soon on the way. Ooh la la. Mm. <laughs> but uh, speaking with Forbes, uh, from Dust Till Dawn's director teased the film is coming to 4K. So, um, he let them know he just finished a color correction for a 4K version, and it looks gorgeous, and it was very cool to see. So, they can't wait uh, for it to come out and celebrate with the anniversary. So, um, coming out soon. Be on the lookout. Huzzah! (laughs) From Dust Till Dawn, on 4K. Done and done. Like, our any of our tvs on 4k yet i'm sure they are okay i feel like mine says 4k but it doesn't actually have 4k but anyway (laughs) so also um so it was announced uh to on the road to halloween that michael c hall will be uh reprising the role of dexter Mm -hmm. for an upcoming limited series revival and i know we said that in the past, in our past episodes as well. Um, so there's some more uh, casting news. So Variety reported that Clancy Brown, known to horror fans for many things, including his role in Pet Cemetery 2 and last year's The Mortuary Collection. Oh, I do love... And side note, if you have not watched The Mortuary Collection, it's so good. Yes, you need to watch it. I actually finished. Oh my God, it's awesome. Yes. I loved it. So great. (laughs) But so, Clancy Brown has joined the cast. And according to the site, Brown will star as Kurt Caldwell, the primary villain for the show. A Variety report uh, continues that Caldwell is described as the unofficial mayor of a small town of Iron Lake. Uh, he realized the American dream by going from driving big rigs, just like his father did, to now owning several trucks and local at and the local truck stop. So he's powerful, generous loved by everyone he's a true man of the people and if he's got your back consider yourself blessed but should you cross kurt or hurt anyone he cares for god help you indeed creepy (laughs) and so um and they also released that this will be set 10 years after uh dexter morgan went missing in the eye of hurricane laura i hate it when that happens i know (laughs) and they said it's gonna um hopefully be arriving um this fall oh so got something to look forward to we need something to look forward to let's not postpone it Mm -mm. (laughs) let's release this stuff (laughs) well and he will always be to me because i think this was probably the first place i ever saw him like even before um pet cemetery 2 and such to me he will forever be the corrupt cop from shawshank redemption yep (laughs) yep so great Mm -hmm. well in other news 
I'm sure that everybody probably already owns multiple copies of the classic Universal monster movies. However, but if you don't, Universal's actually going to load them up on YouTube this month. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, in case you don't, uh, they will be having everything hosted on the YouTube account Fear the Home of Horror. Horror. I struggle with that word sometimes. Horror. <laughs> I probably messed up already. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, now, brown cow. Um, anyway, so starting on Friday, the 15th of January, Ooh. Uh, each of these films will actually be available for one week to watch. So first up on during uh, or on January 15th will be Dracula and the Mummy. Second day, which is January 16th, will be Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. Followed up on the 17th by The Invisible Man, The Wolfman, and one of my faves, Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh my God, this is amazing. I love Abbott and Costello. Me too. The best. Cool. So yes, starting January 15th, YouTube account, Fear, colon, The Home of Horror. Nice. Go check them out. Woohoo. And we've also learned that Jordan Peele is Yay. working on a new project. Yay. Yeah. So um, project details are, and plot details specifically, are completely under wrapped. Under wraps. I'm sorry. Not under wrapped. It's like, <laughs> it's like only wrapping half of a Christmas present or something. It's under wrapped or a birthday present. Anyway. So uh, Jesse Plemons. And Daniel Kalua have each been offered the lead roles. And all of this kind of lines up with what was reported on Murphy's Multiverse. Um, and here is what we kind of know so far. The story will focus on a man between quite the age gap, 20 <laughs> to 32. <laughs> who, I mean, I don't feel like I look that much different from my 20s to my 30s, but. Oh, it, it ain't looks that's different. It's the person I was when I was 20. Right. It's completely not the person I yeah, am. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm definitely like, my like personality is definitely I kind of want to go back to my 20-year-old self and smack myself upside the head. Like, <laughs> get your shit together, girl. Mm -hmm. Wash your face. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it'll focus on a man between <clears throat> the ages of... 20 and 32 who lives on the outskirts of los angeles he's a walmart employee in the electronics section who is described as perceptive sincere and clutch oh what does that mean like clutch like sometimes when you're like the clutch for someone like you're always there like backup isn't that a crutch Cr crutch isn't it like a crutch almost like a hindrance? No, it's something. Your crutch is like your calculator because you can't add. Oh, okay. A clutch is what helps shift your car into gear. Oh, I don't well, know. I'm don't assuming. Know. I'm assuming that this is some slang word that all the kids know. So, if you're in your 20s and you listen to this podcast, please explain to me what clutch means because I'm old. <laughs> um, so now the filmmakers are currently looking to cast someone with either a Latino or Native American background for the role. Um, so hey, casting call. You heard it here first. 
or second <laughs> right. if you already read this. Um, and as you can imagine, all, everything's going to be under wraps, as I said. However, we know that Jordan Peele is actually directing, writing, and producing with Wynn Rosenfield, uh, Ian Cooper, and Peter Graff. Oh, nice. And the movie will kick off filming in L.A. in April, provided everybody's not dead yet. Mm-hmm. And Universal's actually going to release the film July 22nd, 2022. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's exactly on my mom's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, mom, in the future. I think it's going to be 2222. 2227222. Yeah. It's a lot of twos. I can't wait to see whatever he puts out. I'm just been waiting for more mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> um so we uh, started a new section to kind of share um some more small businesses because you know we're we're on our soapbox we all want you to shop small because it's very important even after christmas into this new year those small companies still need help. But also I wanted to share some other fun things that can kind of help get into, you know, the new year and um, maybe some resolutions that you set for yourself. So we call it New Year Who This. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I found this really cool app and we all know that I don't like to run, but I thought this was very interesting because I was trying to find like some fitness stuff that would be fun, you know, for the new year. Cause y'all know when the new year comes, we're all trying to get back on that, get back on that scale and get back on the program. But so anyway, I found this app called zombies run. I've heard of this. Yes. <laughs> so zombie zombies run cast you as a um, a petrified runner legging it away from a zombie apocalypse. I mean, kind of fitting. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of fitting right now. Um, so <laughs> so uh, those who've ever jogged around Coventry at night will know the feeling. <laughs> um, your runs are accompanied by an interactive audio storybook that does... Um, out tasks to complete and sound effects to get your heart racing so basically like you're running and it's tracking you're running but as you're running it's telling you that the zombies are pretty much right after you mm-hmm. so i thought that would be fun to just bring up and if you're a runner or just trying to get back into running maybe this is a fun spooky app that you can try while you're on your run i should try it yeah you know what let me know i was gonna ask you because you, you like to run I don't like to run. You just, well, you just run. I just, I like, yeah. You seem like you like it. I don't like it. I'm just trying to, I, my dislike of my love handles outweighs (laughs) my dislike of running. (laughs) But you look great. You're very nice. I'm still squishy. (laughs) We're working on it. Disagree. We're working on it. But but also, squishy's not all that bad. But, you know, <laughs> I tell Jared all the time. Well, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't know if there's kids listening. I was going to say something, uh, but I'm going to hold off, too. Yep. Yep. Well, I will. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> anyway, so another one I wanted to share, because uh, Sarah and I are pretty much trying to teach ourselves and also get tips from others how to sew. So, so, (laughs) I wanted to mention uh, Charm Patterns by Gertie. I love her. I know. She has the most amazing books, you guys. 
I own two of them. I might have a third one. I have three. I think I have a third one. I've got the vintage casual, the dress one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then what was the other one? The Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the book for better sewing. So yep. I do have three. Yeah, I was going to say, I also have three. <laughs> but um, she has really, really good stuff, you guys. And so not only is she on Instagram, she also has a Facebook. And she also has her website, The Charm Patterns. And so check her out. There's tons of patterns on there if you're looking to sew some vintage fashions for yourself. Um, Like I mentioned before, that's something Sarah and I have been kind of working on because we love to shop, but also it's sometimes hard to find clothes that are like exactly for our, our bodies. So what better way to do that and to make your own stuff. And also, especially with vintage patterns and such, mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to find, even if you can't, cause I mean, women were super ridiculously small yes. in the, in the thirties, forties, fifties and sixties even. Um, so it's really difficult to not only find stuff that fits, but to find stuff that still exists mm-hmm. and hasn't been completely torn apart, but then also to find stuff that like the, the reproduction stuff, some of it is not made very well right, and doesn't fit well and it's i'm i'm always taking something in yeah and i'm trying really hard to navigate away from the kind of fast fashion stuff because it's not terribly good for the environment and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of stuff that's manufactured by big box retailers is um purchased and created in countries where uh, labor laws may not be what they are in the united states Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to be a much more conscious consumer about where I get my stuff. And I mean, that goes for fabric too. You still have to be very careful where you buy your yep, fabric it's and very true. make sure that it's fair trade and all that business. But it's a lot easier to, to I mean, for me so far, it's been, I like granted, I don't buy shit at Joann's. I just don't. I just never have any real luck there. No. <laughs> Anyways, no. like I, I just can't find anything that I ever want. But I do love, you know what, and uh, I actually am a subscriber. I signed up for Gertie's Patreon this year. because Oh, I was just going to mention that too, her, <laughs> that um, she has one. Well, and she's got different levels that you can subscribe to, but she makes it so easy when she breaks down her patterns. She's not one of those people that just, you know, speeds through it and goes to step 12 while you're still trying to figure out step two. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can ask her questions. And she's the nicest freaking lady on the face of the planet. And also... No shade, but no one designer has the market cornered on vintage patterns. Gertie is a seamstress and a pattern maker, and she makes her patterns based on vintage, like reproduction patterns. Mm -hmm. So she actually takes pieces of clothing, usually vintage, looks at how they're constructed, and then makes her own pattern because she is a seamstress, a very talented seamstress. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Nobody has the market cornered on vintage patterns except the people who made them who are long dead. I mean, if they're still alive, I don't even want to see what they look like. Super centarians. Right. <laughs> but she's got some, she gives really good tips. Her books are amazing. And also, um, not only does she have the Patreon, but she also has um, some uh, tutorials on her YouTube channel called Gertie's World. So go check her out. Mm-hmm. And she's usually at Dapper Day, too. Yep. How, how do we miss that, though? I don't miss her. I just think she's awesome. And usually there's a big line. And 
Oh, next time I'm going to say something. There you go. Um, well, the first one that I picked, we've shared before, but I wanted to share her again because she's got great stuff. And my two that I picked for this episode are uh, Valentine related things, because Yay. while I think that Valentine's Day is a really silly greeting card holiday, there's still some cute stuff coming out. So, um, you know, I love it. Well, you know, because it's pink. all pink because there's pink <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It can be spooky. Well, so enter spook show babe designs um so she has some super fun valentine's related accessories that are actually really creepy so one of them is like a little she makes those um jack-o'-lantern ice cream cones that are delightful i have two of them but this one you would love it is pink and it's got the black ice cream cone with the spider webs on it it was so cute yep and she's got some other fun little um like best friendy type things that you can split up with amongst your friends she's got some cute ghosts that have little black hearts on them very 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 cute so check her out she's got an etsy store and then the second one that i picked is grim girl art and you and some of our friends may or may not be getting these in the mail for valentine's day they're spooky valentines i also ordered spooky valentines but i don't want to say which ones because it'll give it away there's well there's there's a million of them but these ones were ridiculously cute and i actually ordered some i'm looking back at my uh my etsy order (laughs) i'm sad though because mine haven't been sent out yet and they better come neither time but it's gonna i mean we got it's what the what day is this i don't even know it's close to a month away though it's only the eighth yeah it's more than a month away girl well i'm just saying for me because i'm trying to you know plan ahead stuff anyway we got time there's lots of time (laughs) um but yes so grim girl art tons and tons of super cute valentine so like there's this one but that has hannibal lecter on it and it says you look delectable <laughs> so oh that's cute. great yeah there's there's a ton of really cute ones so if you want to send valentines to any of your friends any of your ghoul friends um then definitely check them out yeah. like this one that has pennywise with the little heart balloon it says you make my heart float i Isn't know that you, i know you ordered that oh, one fuck yes i did i have a feeling i'm getting that one because it's a clown the michael myers one that says forever and always <laughs> i mean you just oh i can't oh my gosh it's so cute they're all so fun and cute so if i have to deal with valentine's day spooky valentine's make it that much better so <laughs> some of you will be getting spooky valentine's well you gotta do what i do i always just watch a scary movie on valentine's day bloody valentine you can never go wrong yep and also valentine with just, david Boreanaz. just don't yeah it's a <laughs> or just any old slasher will do yes jared and i have not celebrated valentine's day ever mostly at my insistence Uh. but one year there were flowers when i came home and i was like what are who are those for he's like uh you i went why he said it's valentine's day oh i didn't get you anything i'm sorry (laughs) 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 oh I mean, I don't know. That's just the hopeless romantic in me. I like, I like Valentine's Day. I did get him, uh, (laughs) and and I got him this couple years ago, so I just haven't bothered since then. Uh, There's an episode of The Simpsons that we both really love where Ralph 
uh, doesn't get any Valentines. So Lisa gives him one with a little train on it. And it says, I choose you. <laughs> and then Ralph takes it like way too far and thinks Lisa's in love with him and is going to marry him. Oh, God. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I, I got Jared that card one year. He's like, oh, that was really cute. Like, yeah, don't expect greatness ever <laughs> you guys again. You just give each other really funny cards or dirty ones, really dirty ones. But you know, they're like, I'm weird. I, I We all are terrified of becoming our parents. I'm mostly afraid of becoming my father. And that I see like little, little glimmers here and there. Like I write everything in shouty caps. I can't write in sentence case like a normal human. I just Hulk smash all my writing. It's fine. Well, my father used to do the same thing. Um, but then the other thing is he used to obsess about cards. Like it would take him 30 minutes to pick a birthday card. Oh gosh. I do the same thing now. <laughs> it's an event. Well, you wanted to say the right thing. I know, but I'm looking at like, no, that's dumb. Yeah. That one's got a dog, but it says something stupid. No, this one, this one's cute, but not fun. Like, you know, it's. I look for the cheesiest one. The one that'll just make you chuckle and be like, oh, that's cute. It's got to be right. And it's all dependent on the person. But I obsess over greeting cards now. It's terrible. <laughs> well, you know, I'm easy. hey <laughs> But enough sips, about sips tea. But enough about that. Um. <laughs> sips tea. Um. <laughs> so. Let's talk about our episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> so today we are going to go back into uh, talking about our haunted places. Because it's been a while and it's the new year. So why not? And, yeah, and also we're planning, you know, for our travel. For places <laughs> that we cannot go yet. Right, exactly. So like basically these are notes for, you know, when we go to these places. Because we're going to visit. When we're allowed in someday. Yeah, exactly. Not, so, not soon, but you know. Yeah, eventually. definitely not soon. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about Haunted London. London! Someone's been there already. I sure have. I haven't. It's uh, honestly, <laughs> London is one of my favorite cities in the whole world. I want to go so it's, bad. We will, we will take a trip. We will go see my surrogate father in France, and then we will take the train in the English Channel under the English Channel to go to England for. I've a always day. wanted to do that. I did it to go oh. to France, and it was it is an interesting experience. I'd be really scared. It's not that bad. Like once you get over the fact that you're underwater, and if the tunnel yeah, collapses, that's the there's nothing that can because save I you. know. Yeah. That I'm underwater. <laughs> Just take a Xanax. You'll be fine. <laughs> nope. It's not going to work. It doesn't even work on planes. Because uh, I hate flying. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be one thing you're going to hate to experience with me. I absolutely hate flying. You Girl, just, you know that the little mini bottles of alcohol are small enough that you can fit them on your carry-on, right? They meet the, the ounce restriction. Do they? Yeah. How do you think I survive a traveling job? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there's that. Well, all right. Well, London, here I come. Pull, pull him out of my purse and my boss looks at me like, what are you doing? Like, just leave me alone. Because that's a long time over some water. Oh, uh, no, just drink enough. You'll be fine. Okay. Well, that's fine. So anyway, but yeah, we're talking about London today. Oh, it's such and a cool city. tons of haunted places. There's way too much. Like, we didn't, we're, we're each only going to pick three and it's going to be a long episode at that. And um, that's still not enough to even yeah close i was like i'm like looking at my notes i'm like okay which which one can i cut out i know i'm like because i put four. Oh, did you put a fourth one i think i did oh and but it was it was it was by accident oh because i thought i didn't have three so we're just we're, it's fine it's Counting fine we'll just ignore 
ignore it. <laughs> I have an honorable mention. Oh, maybe that's why I did it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This one's not like not big on research or anything. Okay. This is just something that if you happen to be in London, you should go and do. Oh. And it's the London Dungeon. <gasps> yes, I saw that. Oh my God, it was so fun. Although when I was looking at their <laughs> website, they have a new ride. So Ooh. when I went, it was a boat ride. Then actually really? like took you through Trader's Gate at um at the Tower of London. So like you go in, it's so much fun. Um it was I think 20 pounds when I went, 20 pounds British sterling. Um and that was fucking 10 years ago. But I don't know if it's the same now, but it's totally worth it. It's I think an hour and a half or 2 hours all the way through. But they oh, okay. take you through each of the like more macabre things that have happened. So like things it. like obviously Jack the Ripper, Sweeney Todd. Um, they take you like through court where there's a judge, like an old dead judge, and you get they pick out people from the audience and you're convicted of different things. And then they put you in the boat. You go through Trader's Gate. There's a little drop. It's super fun. Um, yeah, the Sweeney Todd Theater was super cool because you sit down and then you just hear all this stuff and like you feel the um, you feel wind going over your head that's supposed to be like the blade from the shave <laughs> going over your head. And then at one point, like your chair drops back when you're sitting in this theater, like the the story ah. of oh, yeah, yeah, it's super fun. Um, and then they go through obviously the plague, of course, the Great Fire. I mean, there's there's lots of fun stuff. So you get to learn about history too. It's it's educational, but it's also nice and spooky. So I Lond- love it. Honorable mention: London Dungeon. Go check it out when there's not COVID and it's open. It's not right now. Yeah, I would imagine it's very very much closed. Very close because the UK's having a hard <laughs> time right now. Well, the one that I um first actually did research uh, for was Highgate Cemetery. It's listed as pretty much like one of the places you have to go see. It's pretty fucking awesome. And you went there too? Of course I did. I don't like you. I I, I love (laughs) you. I I went with my my BFF Amanda and we we went fucking everywhere. We even saw um, Daniel Radcliffe aka Harry Potter was doing a play called Equus at the time. Pierce Brosnan and his mother were sitting behind us. (gasps) Pierce Brosnan. I wanted to like it was everything I could do not to keep like because because apparently they were in a movie together i think oh. was it the taylor of panama or something like that they oh. anyway they were in a movie together and pierce brosnan happened to be there with his mother and let me tell you that man is just as good looking in real life mm-hmm. as he's on camera but also wasn't that the play where he has like a full frontal it sure was and he's a grower not a shower oh I know. It's disappointing. I feel bad. I'm like, oh. But I mean, I wasn't that surprised, I guess. Oh, okay. I mean, it was probably cold, though, in the theater. Oh, it was fucking freezing. Although on stage with all the lights. But still. Yeah. Especially, and then, especially if you know you have, like, I don't know how many people can fit in that theater, but they're all looking at your junk. (laughs) I know, like, how awkward. Well, because at the time, Amanda I mean, I'm sure he doesn't have, like, a fluffer or anything, like, to to help him out. No, and and at the time, Amanda had this, like, obsession with Daniel Radcliffe. Like, she, if she could have jumped his bones, she would have. So, as soon as she found out, and I think we were, like, 19 at the time. So, as soon as she found out there was a play that Daniel Radcliffe in as 
was in and you saw his junk, she's like, we got to go. So I mean, I was kind of in that idea as well. Really? But I mean, just the fact that we've seen him like grow up (laughs) and then now he's on the stage showing everybody his junk. See, I was always more of a team Draco Malfoy. Are we shocked? I'm not. We're not shocked. Not at all. We're really not. I always thought Draco was the cutest. I mean, he's okay. I thought he was real cute. I mean, can we talk about Neville Longbottom, though? <laughs> How cute he looks now. <laughs> I haven't seen him lately. Oh, he's cute. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll Google him while you're talking about Highgate's But anyway, so back to Highgate mm-hmm. and not um, Harry Potter land junk. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, open in 1839, Highgate is one of London's most infamous cemeteries, originally opened as one of the city's magnific- magnificent seven. Oh my god, he is super cute. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Continue. I told you. <laughs> Continue. There's one picture without his shirt on too. Yep, found it. Yep. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Anyway. I, I mean, I'd hit that. Anyway, um... <laughs> originally opened as one of the city's magnificent seven park cemeteries the initial design was carried by architect uh stephen geary so among the impressive victorian and egyptian influenced tombs are gravestones of Karl marx mm-hmm. and um it's recognizable by his uh glaring bearded bust it sure is <laughs> i saw a picture i was like that's big yep that's real big yep um sci-fi author douglas adams james holman a sightless 19th century adventurer known as the blind traveler i thought that was really cool Mm -hmm. i i would look up more information about him later but anyway and then also adam uh, worth a famous criminal and possible inspiration for sherlock holmes's nemesis professor moriety I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So comprised of the Kensal Green, Highgate, West Norwood, Abney Park, Nunhead, uh, Brompton, and Tower Hamlets cemeteries, the Magnificent Seven were created in 1832 as a part of an effort to move burials out of the city of London in response to the twin pressures of the health concerns um, about overcrowded churchyard cemeteries and desires for buildable land in the rapidly expanded city. They're like, we ain't got room. We gotta, we gotta put all these dead people in here. <laughs> they gotta go somewhere. <laughs> just dying to get in uh, right. anyway plague and all that stuff anyway <laughs> so the cemetery's tombs and buildings are constructed in an imposing victorian gothic style and during the mid to late 1800s it was a highly sought after burial ground you can tell because you see pictures this thing is full oh yeah it, <laughs> it's, it's full <laughs> let me freaking tell you i'm like they were really dying to get in there for mm-hmm. real <laughs> Um, but however, by the end of World War II, the cemetery was overgrown, unattended, and in serious disrepair, all of which added to its creepy feel. And if you go look at pictures of the cemetery, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> this is, it describes it, like, perfectly. Um, 
But in the 1970s, the infamous cemetery became the location of another English Gothic tradition, the horror films of movie studio Hammer. These films uh, regenerated public interest in the cemetery and stories of grave robbing, uh, desecration, and vampires in Highgate began appearing in the news. I'm going to talk about the vampire <laughs> a little bit later. Um the cemetery in its original original form, the Northwestern Wooded Area, opened in 1839 as part of a plan to provide seven large modern cemeteries. Okay. The inner city cemeteries, mostly the graveyards attached to individual churches, had long been unable to cope with the number of burials and were seen as... It, and it was seen as a hazard to health and an undignified way to treat the dead. I mean, yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> right. So, on uh, on a Monday, uh, May 20th of 1839, Highgate West Cemetery was dedicated to St. James by the Right Reverend Charles James Bloomfield, Lord Bishop of London. Fifteen acres were consecrated for the use of the Church of England and two acres set aside for dissenters. Uh, rites of burial were sold for either limited period or in in perpetuity perpetuity thank you perpetuity (laughs) i got you i'll get it (laughs) the first burial was elizabeth jackson of little windmill street soho on may 26th congratulations (laughs) you were the first one to be buried (laughs) i don't know if that's like anything that anybody wants to remember (laughs) maybe (laughs) so Uh, The Victorian attitude to death and its presentation led to uh, the creation of a wealth of Gothic tombs and buildings. So, like I said before, you look in a lot of these pictures, I mean, some of these tombstones are just... They're gorgeous. They're so beautiful. They're huge. I mean, I kind of hope, you know, not talking about my death, but I hope I get one of these really pretty Gothic, like, tombstones. It's just so gorgeous my little creepy heart um (laughs) but it occupies a spectacular south-facing hillside site slightly downhill from the top of um, highgate itself next to waterloo park um in 1854 the area to the east of the original area across swain's swain's lane was brought to form the eastern part of the cemetery so both cemeteries are still used today for burials and these areas are closed to the public so most of the open unforested area in the east cemetery still has uh, fairly few graves on it uh, the cemetery's grounds are full of trees shrubberies and wildflowers most most of which uh, have been planted and grown without human influence that's nice. <laughs> um, the grounds are a haven for birds and small animals such as foxes. They're so cute. The little doggies. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, as described in the book Beyond the Grave, ooh, many claim to see a particular creature hovering over the graves. Uh, scores of vampire hunters regularly converged on the graveyard in the dead of night. Uh, tombs were broken open and bodies were mutilated with wooden stakes driven into their chests. Uh, they're stolen. Uh, these stolen corpses turning up in strange places continuously, continuously startled local residents. One horrified neighbor to the cemetery discovered a headless body propped behind the steering wheel of his car one morning. I hate it when that happens. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess they were really trying to kill the vampire wherever he was. But anyway, so known as the Highgate Vampire Sensation, <laughs> it uh, that is the like the greatest name for an emo band. <laughs> Can we start it? Yes. <laughs> when I saw this, I'm like, this is great. <laughs> It's so the bad. Highgate Vampire <laughs> Sensation. Done. Oh, man. So <laughs> it culminated in 1970 with two magicians, Ferrant and Manchester, claiming that each would be the first to find and kill the supposed vampire. Manchester announced in a, an official vampire hunt, and on Friday the 13th, a mob of hunters from all over London swarm, swarmed over gates and walls into, locked, uh, into the locked cemetery, despite police efforts to control them. Hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry. That sounds, sure that sounds... Was, that was just a little deja vu for me. Yeah, anyway. Sure, sure sounds like Wednesday in the United States. I know. Um, so the two magicians were supposed to settle the debate with a magician's duel, but it never happened. <laughs> so Ferret was arrested in the churchyard next to Highgate Cemetery with a cru- um, with a crucifix and a wooden stake. <laughs> And in 1974, was jailed for damaging memorials and interfering the dead remains in Highgate Cemetery. That's not something I want on my record. Nope. Um, <laughs> though neither magician found the supposed vampire, in the various hunts, graves were ransacked and real corpses were indeed uh, staked and beheaded. I mean, you wouldn't feel anything, you're dead. That's rude. Still, still, yes. still rude. Unfortunate. <laughs> the debate between Ferret and Manchester continues to this day, while the cemetery remains a popular location for the occult, paranormal, and vampiric enthusiasts. Indeed, and that is Highgate Cemetery. Mostly, I just wanted to go see um, Karl Marx's grave. I think that's why mostly everybody goes there. That's why. We I mean, there was a really long list, but I figured if we do another like cemetery episode i would save that for there you go for that so anyway but that's highgate cemetery check it out well the first one that i picked is a pub that i actually went to when i was there it's called the ten bells (gasps) i heard about this yes so the ten bells is a pub short for public house aka a bar (laughs) Um, At the corner of Commercial Street and Fournier Street in Spitalfields in the East End of London. And it's sometimes noted for its association with two victims of Jack the Ripper, Annie Chapman and Mary Kelly. So it's actually existed in one... Uh, in one form or another since the middle of the 18th century. It's super old. Um, And it originally stood on a site that was known as 12 Red Lion Street, just a little ways away. However, when this building was pulled down as part of the cutting commercial street back in 1851, the owners of 10 Bells were able to move the public house to its current position at 84 Commercial Street. So it's an iconic destination, and it remains important to one of the darkest moments in East London's history. Uh, it has even continually served the public since the mid-18th century. Mm. And it gets its name from mirroring how many bells the Christ Church across the road held in its tower. 
Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so it actually was formally called the Eight Bells Ale House in 1755 and then actually received a name change in 1788 to the Ten Bells. Oh, there was more bells. When the church upgraded their bell system. <laughs> yep, good times. Um, so the interior of it is actually, it's beautiful. Yes. It's decorated floor to ceiling with Victorian tiling. And two of the walls have a blue and white floral pattern kind of scheme. And there is this other beautiful colored tile pattern going all around the rest of the room. It was spectacular. And also the reason that uh, one of the reasons we want to go here is, you know, one, it's history with Jack the Ripper. But also we just really wanted to hit any pub that we possibly could because we could legally drink there when we went Oh, that's right. It's um, 18, It right? was 18. Ha! <laughs> yep. Good times. And the best part is as soon as the plane leaves the ground, you're technically in international sp- airspace and you can drink. Oh. So I got shit-faced hammered on the way there. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Amanda probably still has video of us, like, rolling around the plane with a couple stewardesses. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was a good time. Um... So it was renovated by its current landlord in 2010 to fully display its Victorian heritage. Um, And they've upgraded a few murals and such. So whenever we do get to go, I really want to go back and check out how it looks now. See what's changed. Now, let's talk about its links to Jack the Ripper. So Uh Annie Chapman and Mary Kelly... Uh, have uh, were actually frequenting that area so annie chapman actually may have had a drink at that pub shortly before she was murdered and it was suggested that the pavement outside of the pub was where mary Mary kelly actually picked up clients as a sex worker oh Uh uh-huh so between uh 1976 and 1988 uh it was the it was actually named the jack the ripper And there was memorabilia relating to the case displayed up in the bars. Um, And the brewery ordered the name change back to the original name after a long campaign by Reclaim the Night demanded that a murder of a woman should not be commemorated in such fashion. Yes. Don't know that I disagree with that. Um, That's kind of a sad thing to yeah so and um so fun fact this it's the same pub is actually mentioned in the graphic novel from hell that came out in 1999 oh, uh-huh. it was yes and the film adaptation also featured it yeah. which came out in 2001 and it actually includes a scene that shows johnny depp having a drink with mary kelly that's right mm-hmm so well. Let's talk about some of the ghosts that haunt this place. And um, for those that don't follow her, there's a gal who has a blog called Amy's Crypt. And she actually pulled some of these stories um, and cataloged them. So that's where I actually found some of these ghosty things is from Amy's Crypt. So thanks, Amy. Um, So the spirit of Annie Chapman has supposedly been sighted within the pub. She's thought to sit in the exact location that her final drink Uh, was consumed before her murder and some have actually claimed that she's responsible for breaking glasses and stealing from unsuspecting guests (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's cool (laughs) i know super creepy um so it, it also has a long history outside of the murders and supposedly holds other spirits from 
times of old. And per, the most active and commonly cited spirit within the pub is that of an older man. Many have described him as wearing Victorian era clothing. And he's generally cited in the upper floors where the staff were once able to live on site. Mm. Um, previous tenants would actually report hearing footsteps and laughter outside of their room when nobody was around. And some have even been pushed down the stairs when they went to investigate. Oh, creepy. I know. Super creepy. Um, <laughs> even, even creepier. This act, this spirit was actually known to sneak into beds during the night. Nope. Yep. To, to frighten <laughs> the unsuspecting staff members. And it's believed that he might've been a former landlord to the building who was possibly murdered. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And this one's a little bit sad. So here's another story, but it actually has to do with a baby who was murdered within the building. Oh, so apparently uh, in recent times, the owners brought in a psychic to help explain some of the paranormal phenomena that was occurring. And supposedly the psychic refused to enter one of the top rooms and she was unable to explain why, but suggested that something terrible had happened transpiring transpired huh, had transpired there relating to the death of a baby in the 19th century oh i know super sad that is really really sad i know and years after that incident uh, a leading jack the ripper researcher was allowed to tour the pub and she was also granted rooftop access to the building where she actually discovered something pretty unsettling uh, she found a sack that had been deposited in a gap between the floor and the water tank and when she pulled it out and opened it, she found it with filled with moldy Victorian era baby clothes. Ooh. And upon closer inspection, they appeared to have been slashed with a knife. Wow. I know. So sad. So obviously you can't really draw a lot of conclusions from that, but it was directly, it was located directly on top of the room where the psychic refused to enter. Oof. Isn't that creepy? That's that's really creepy. Super creepy. And that is the Ten Bells. Amazing. It makes me really want to go there. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It is a beautiful pub. It look it looks really cool. I was looking at pictures while you were talking about it, and then I and then I went on Amy's crypt and I'm trying not to go down the rabbit Ooh, hole. Oh, rabbit hole. Wait till <laughs> wait till you're just about ready to go to sleep and then you won't I know, want to. I'm like, let, let me stay off of here. <laughs> Uh, so the next one that I picked is Newstead Abbey. Ooh. And it's best known as the home of the 19th century romantic poet Lord Byron. Oh. I read some of those. They're okay. <laughs> I'll get in the lovey-dovey mood, um, like, closer to Valentine's Day or something. <laughs> I'm not all the way there yet. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so... And um, so it's best known for his home in, uh, but Newstead Abbey in Nottinghamshire. Oh, good job. Yeah. England hosts Ghost, Sunken Treasure, The Touching Tomb of a Faithful Dog, A Waterfall You Can Go Behind. You can see the backside of water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and a mini fortress built for shooting at pheasants. Or pheasants. Well, anyway, peasants in a mock naval battle. <laughs> I thought I meant pheasants, but I think it is peasants. <laughs> I don't think that pheasants would participate in a mock naval battle. <laughs> oh, man. But why are we shooting at peasants in a naval battle? Because that's just what they did. That's. Anyway, that's so mean. We're just. 
no wonder it's haunted. Um, anyway, (laughs) so the estate has a long and often bizarre history and is full of little hidden gems, uh, originally built by an, um, Augustinian, by Augustinian monks in 1170, going way back. (laughs) Much of the original ecclesiastical building was destroyed on the orders of Henry VIII in 1539. Henry, come on. <laughs> Is that the one with all the wives? Which one? Henry VIII. Yep. Oh, yeah, no wonder he did that. Anyway, he's like, we don't we don't need anything that's religious in here because I'm definitely non-religious <laughs> with everything that I've been doing. I'm going to create my own religion so I can divorce my wife. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so Enter Church of England. Right. Uh, determined that the king's men would not get a hold of the abbey's treasures, the monks threw them into the lake in front of the abbey. The only piece still recovered is a stunning brass uh, lectern in the shape of an eagle, which was rediscovered in the 18th century and is now on display play in Southwell in Southwell Minister, which is fewer than uh, 15 miles from Newstead Abbey. Uh, it's possible that more of the monks' treasures still exist sunken in the mud beneath the lake. Let's go. We, we need to we need to find that treasure. I'll get my gillyweed. Mm-hmm. Practice my bubblehead charm. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> we 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 need to take this podcast off into a whole other level we need to find this treasure <laughs> hey if the goonies can do it so can we right <laughs> but according to legend one of the monks never left the estate um a spectral hooded figure called either the black or goblin friar Either one is not good. Um, (laughs) Is said to be um, a harbinger of bad news and has been allegedly cited many times in the Abbey and surrounding grounds. It's the Grimm. It is. I'm just full of Harry Potter references on this London episode. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, how could you not, though? It's the Grimm. It's the Grimm. I think, I feel like if I was in Harry Potter, I would be that teacher. (laughs) The crazy one. Professor Trelawney? <laughs> yep. I feel like that would be me. Making everybody look into their tea leaves. I'd be Professor McGonagall and just salty and grumpy. and Because you, you would turn into a cat. I 100% would transfigure <laughs> myself into a cat. I think I would either be her or I would be Professor Sprout. Or I'd be Professor Snape and just live in the dungeon. I mean, either. I think good mm-hmm. but you'd be like the female version of snape i don't think you would be exactly snape i'd wash my hair more that's for Ooh. sure <laughs> shade the shade of it all <laughs> oh boy anyway so um after the dissolution of the monasteries the abbey fell into the hands of the byron family in 1540 and eight generations of byrons restored and added to the building turning it into a beautiful and grand country house with landscaped gardens. Much of the current house dates to the 16th century. The poet, Lord Byron, was famously described as being mad, bad, and dangerous to know. <laughs> Can I get that put on a jacket? Yeah. <laughs> with a with a big logo of some sort? <laughs> Top to mad, bad, and I on the bottom. I feel like that should have went on his know. gravestone. I know. That's, Probably. That's great. Anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> However, he wasn't the only fo- uh, family member to exhibit such tra- uh, traits. His great uncle, the fifth Lord William the Wicked Byron, <laughs> had quite a good line in madness, badness, and danger too. <laughs> he killed his neighbor from the nearby Ansley Hall, which is the next one I'm going to talk about, um, <laughs> in a duel after an argument over whose Nottinghamshire estate had the best hunting. Really? Really? You guys? <laughs> really? <laughs> We're, I mean, I don't want to say it like this, but it's it's like this. It's basically a contest of whose dick is bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just stupid. But anyway, so though convicted of a manslaughter, his punishment was merely a fine. Of course. Of course. Slap on the wrist. (laughs) He later mounted the sword he used in the duel in his bedroom. (laughs) You know, is that code for something? His dick was bigger? Something like that. <laughs> anyway. Um, in his twilight years, William had two uh, follies constructed in on one of the lakes to enable him to relive past glories by staging mock naval battles at the Abbey for his own amusement. During these mock battles, he would happily shoot at servants in rowing boats with live ammunition from the safety of his pretend forts. <laughs> One of the forts is now in a crumbling state of disrepair, whereas another has become part of a private house. After his son began an incestuous marriage with a cousin, come on, you guys, (laughs) William Byron was determined to ruin the estate so his son would have nothing to inherit. Well, I mean, he was in an incestuous marriage, so that's, I mean... Yeah. (laughs) The poet Byron was the last Lord Byron to own Newstead Abbey. He inherited it in a very uh, dilapidated state at the age of just 10, following the the death of his great uncle William, whose son and grandson died before him. The poet found the the ruinous house inspirational uh, writing. uh, He wrote this in one of I didn't say where it was, sorry, but uh, throw thy battlements, Newstead, the hollow winds whistle, though the hall of my father's art gone to decay. So some big inspiration there for him for all his writing. But uh, despite once claiming that Newstead and I stand or fall together, he was sadly forced to sell the Abbey in 1818 due to his dire financial situation. He died six years later of a fever in Greece at age 36 and is buried with his equally talented daughter, Ada Lovelace, the world's first computer program. Programmer, not program. (laughs) first computer programmer um, at the church of St. Mary Magdalene in nearby Hucknall. Um, One of the the most poignant reminders of the poet Byron's uh, time at Newstead Abbey is the tomb of his faithful Newfoundland dog, Botswain. That's a deep name. Botswain. Botswain. (laughs) Fucked up on my name for Binks. Should have named him Botswain. Well, next cat. There you go. There will be an X. We all know this. Yes, I know. That's why I said next cat. <laughs> but Botswain, which proudly, uh, which stands proudly in the landscape garden, bearing a touching poem called the uh, epitaph uh, to a dog. Oh, so sweet. I want to do that. 
Anyway, <laughs> but Byron reportedly wished to be buried alongside his beloved dog after his death, though this wish was never fulfilled. That's just rude, you guys. Bury him next to his dog. <laughs> Your job as one of my best friends is to ensure that, well, no, because Ava's going to outlive me. So never mind. <laughs> Don't bury me with my dog. Oh, Ava. No, no, no. We've decided that Ava's just going to have to, the peanut dog is just going to have to live forever. And then when we die, she'll come with the house. Mm-hmm. Like Beetlejuice. There you go. Done. She's like, I'm here, guys. That's it. Check. All right. Good let me tell it. you, these last humans did not give me enough chicky bird. <laughs> And uh, the the treat jar is full and I need to eat all of it. And I'm just going to need you to leave it on the ground where I can reach it. (laughs) She's going to give him all the wrong rules. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then she's going to eat all that and get sick. Let me tell you. And then I'll be burying her with you. (laughs) Oh, no. She'll live forever. Peanut Jack will live forever. Oh, God. As much as she throws up stuff. (laughs) It's her body purging it of poison. Oh, there you go. That's fine. (laughs) God oh so funny <laughs> anyway um so uh sophia hyatt a kind uh, a 19th century super fan of the poet uh took up uh, lodgings near newstead shortly after his untimely death hyatt would wander around the abbey grounds following in the poet's footsteps wearing white and writing her own poems about her celebrity idol I've never heard this ever. (laughs) Somebody talk about Lord Byron that way. Um, Mm. (laughs) One day after leaving Newstead, she was struck and killed by a coach and horses in in Nottingham Market Square. And her lonely spirit, the White Lady of Newstead, is supposedly still seen wandering around the Abbey grounds today. That's not a way to go out. Mm-mm. nope sure ain't <laughs> the abbey and gardens are currently owned by nottingham city council who also administer nearby nottingham castle and wallaton hall and also robin hood no i'm kidding anyway <laughs> <laughs> all three houses are open to the public the river lean flows out of the grounds lake and cascades over a man-made waterfall with a small grotto behind it. We all know what happens in the grotto. What happens in the grotto stays in the grotto. <laughs> the grotto can be ac- uh, accessed v- via a dark passageway. Well, there you go. Uh, giving an unusual view toward the abbey through the tumbling waters. The main entrance to the abbey grounds is in the village of Ravenshead between Mansfield and Nottingham opposite the 13th century public house the hut uh there is an alternative interest for walkers and cyclists only which is uh n- w- not well signposted uh from newstead village which is reached by following station avenue until you reach the gatehouse uh trains run to newstead village from nottingham mansfield and workshop on the Ro- on the robin hood line <laughs> that's great <laughs> there's a line called robin hood I mean, what else are you going to call so it? So great. It's better than the LA trains that are the red line, the purple line. I know. The blue line. I would much rather ride the, ride the Robin Hood line. Than I mean, the if you're going line. to Nottingham, it better be the Robin Hood line. Right. Is there, is there a little John line? There better be. No. Okay. <laughs> please, someone who lives there, please tell me. I need to know so that I can ride all of these things when I get there. Um. Anyway. <laughs> So the Abbey can be reached by bus from Nottingham, Victoria or Mansfield bus stations using the Pronto service. 
And although it's a great place for a picnic, Newstead Abbey does have a cafe selling tea, coffee, cakes, and sandwiches, which are all closed right now. No, Sorry. And Aww. that's the Newstead Abbey. Thanks. The second one that I picked is the Hampton Court Palace. Ooh. Um, I like a good palace. Oh, who doesn't, right? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm telling you, I can sell my house. We can... Just come be my roommate. We'll buy a castle in France because there's some. There's actually one for sale right now at the base of the Alps. Mm-hmm. And if I sell my house, and if you help be my roommate, and Jared can shovel all of our snow because Alps, we could totally afford it. And I'm packing my bags. When? Uh, like right now. Now. Can we okay, go? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm over the United States. This I know. Week. <laughs> Seriously, I'm over it. <laughs> um, it's not, not even. Oh wait, we're eight days into 2021, and we're already ready to pack our bags, bro. Natalia. <laughs> All right, so Hampton Court Palace. So this was actually the original, the original Tudor Palace, which was begun by Cardinal Wolsey in the early 16th century. But then soon, like so many other things and women, attracted the attention of Henry VIII, who brought all six of his wives there. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. Getting back on Henry VIII. He's just ruining Misogynistic everything. Misogynistic toad. Anyway. <laughs> he really did look like a toad, though. He, he to- especially toward the end of his life. Yeek. <laughs> I'm like, who um, wanted to marry that guy? Bro, put the scones down. <laughs> come but on they're so good they are good but put them down <laughs> um so it's it's absolutely beautiful i have not been here i wish i would have gone but i didn't go wow i'm looking um, at pictures right wow. look at the, the gardens and that maze it's got um this humongous maze <gasps> and a grapevine um, yes it's actually been the setting for many nationally important events Really? Uh-huh. So, hmm. uh, just a little bit of background. Uh, when William III and Mary II took the throne in 1689, they commissioned Sir Christopher Wren to build an ele- elegant new Baroque palace. And then later, the Georgian kings and princes occupied the splendid interiors. And then when the royals left in 1737, impoverished grace and favor aristocrats moved in. Sounds bougie. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Queen Victoria actually opened the palace to the public in 1838, and it has remained a magnet for millions of visitors drawn to the grandeur, the ghosts, and the fabulous art collection. We're here for the ghosts. It's always there for the ghosts. <laughs> um, so the palace actually had some really unhappy memories for Henry VIII. Uh, his third wife, Jane Seymour, died giving the king a longed-for son, Edward, later Edward VI. And it's said that her ghost, a white wraith, appears on the anniversary of her death. And Henry V's wife, or Henry's fifth wife, Catherine Howard, was also arrested there and later executed at the Tower of London for adultery and treason. Yep. And then the 17th century also saw many dramatic events for the palace, some of them taking place in Hampton Court's Great Hall. So in 1603, William Shakespeare's King's Men first performed Hamlet and Macbeth for the new Stuart King, James I. Uh, James was also responsible for organizing the 1604 Hampton Court Conference that resulted in the publication of the King James Bible. Mm -hmm. Interesting little tidbit. Um, so it's been used by by the monarchy 
for many different things throughout the year. Um, And actually, during the Commonwealth, Oliver Cromwell saved the palace from from destruction by making it his home. Can we just make that happen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, I'm looking at pictures. I'm already seeing like what room I want to live in. Right? Like, we already have this all figured out. We're going to change the history of Henry VIII. We're going to mm-hmm. make it better. Right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the ghosts. So actually there's a postcard or there's there's a few postcards that you can buy there, but they're all faked up to have ghosts on them but those are the best selling postcards and have been since the early 1900s oh yep um so there are as i mentioned stories of at least two of henry the eighth's wives that haunt the palace so jane seymour and Catherine howard so a sad white wraith carrying a lighted taper that means candle uh <laughs> is said to be henry is said to be jane seymour um, so as we know, she died of post-birth complications. And then there's a pale figure who's reported to appear on the silver stick stairs, which once led up to a room in which Jane gave birth and died on the anniversary of Edward's birth. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. So apparently Catherine's ghost is more vocal and the sightings are more uh, re- regularly reported um, as opposed to Jane Seymour. So Catherine Howard was obviously beheaded at the Tower of London in 1542. She was only 19. Well, you know, they did die young back then. But I mean, she was executed at 19 for adultery and treason. 19. <sighs> so sad. For real, though. So sad. Um, so it's claimed that after she was arrested at Hampton Court, uh, she broke free of her guards and she ran along what is now the haunted gallery, screaming out to Henry VIII for mercy. She obviously never reached him. He was at prayer in the chapel. Yeah, boy, you needed to pray. Mm, I'm, I'm, <laughs> didn't work, <laughs> clearly. Nope. <laughs> um, and sadly, the guards dragged her away and she never saw him again. And it's said that her anguished ghost now repeats this heartbreaking journey, screaming through eternity. Aww. It's super sad. Um, and there have also been numerous sightings of the Grey Lady, who is actually Sybil Penn. Um, Sybil was a servant to four Tudor monarchs and a wet nurse to Edward VI. Oh. So she nursed Elizabeth I through smallpox in 1562. And uh, Queen Elizabeth recovered, but Sybil actually caught the pox and died soon afterwards. Oh. I know. How shitty is that? Yeah. Um, so Sybil. Like, here, watch this child who is sick and you might get sick. Well, and die. that was um, Elizabeth I was an adult when she got it. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, her tomb was just. Oh, she had. Um, oh, what movie was it? I think it was, was it Mary, Queen of Scots? Was that the one that had Margot Robbie as Queen Elizabeth? And then, um, oh, yep. Oh, Saoirse Ronan as uh, Mary. Mm-hmm. They actually, um, they do a pretty good job. You don't learn that in school. Like, uh, in addition to lies your teacher told you. Mm-hmm. You don't really learn about how um, Elizabeth I was really disfigured after having the pox and surviving. Um which is that movie actually did a good job of showcasing it. it was, yeah, it was good. It really did. <laughs> um, so Sybil's tomb was actually disturbed when the church was renovated in 1829. And shortly after that, that's when the stories began to kind of spread around about a gray lady who was seen walking the corridors of the state apartments and the clock court at the palace. 
So Sybil's also linked to a mysterious spinning wheel noise that is said to come from behind a wall in a Grace and Favor apartment. And legend has it that when the wall was removed, an old, much-used spinning wheel was discovered. Creepy town. Mm -hmm. Um, So then in May of 2000, uh, noted psychologist Richard Wiseman conducted an experiment at Hampton Court to investigate whether ghosts really were all in the mind. He asked volunteers to describe themselves as either believers or non-believers in the paranormal and asked people in both groups to record any unusual experiences as they wandered around. As you might expect, the believers reported more spooky sensations overall. But interestingly, many participants recorded more unusual incidents in the same places. So the haunted gallery and the Georgian rooms, whether or not they knew about the legends. So this actually suggests that something's happening. But exactly what is unclear. Um, And then in 1871, two male skeletons in shallow graves were actually unearthed under a cloister in Fountain Court during a routine excavation. And their discovery actually brought brought huge relief to one palace resident, an elderly woman living in a nearby Grace and Favor apartment. She had complained of constant banging and knocking on her walls, but no one had believed her. Oh, Creepily enough, all of the disturbances stopped when the remains were properly interred interesting uh-huh and it's been suggesting that suggested that the anonymous men were victims of roundhead villainy during the civil wars from 1642 to 51 uh they were actually hastily buried in unmarked graves which were concealed when the palace was built in 1689 hmm and last but not least, in October of 2003, the palace closed caption, or uh, clo- not closed caption, I'm sorry, closed circuit, the other CC, closed circuit television actually captured the image of a ghostly figure apparently flinging a fire door open. Oh. And had this been in the age of social media, it probably would have gone viral. But back in the yep. day, <laughs> I was going to say, it, uh, it actually did attract international media attention. Um, and nobody has ever come forward to admit that it was their prank. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that is the Hampton Court Palace. I would like to live there. It looks cool. It's beautiful. I really want to go visit. Really, really cool. I'm I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the last one I picked is Ansley Hall. Nice. And the reason why I picked it because it had to kind of go with Newstead Abbey. But the the history is very interesting. There's a lot going on. <laughs> and I can see why there's ghosts and other things, ha- weird things happening on this property. But anyway, so dating to the middle of the 13th century, Ansley Hall is a historic country estate. The decrepit stately home has a ruined church, a history of bold uh, seafaring adventures, ghosts, and unrequited love. The Mons has been mentioned in works by uh, Nottinghamshire literary literary greats, Lord Byron and D.H. Lawrence. However, two devastating fires have left the historic building in a precarious state. So, Ansley Hall was home to the powerful uh, Chayworth Musters family, who had a long-standing rivalry with the Byrons nearby in at the Newstead Abbey interesting <laughs> and also including tales of dynasty uh, um <laughs> dynastic murder and romance worthy of shakespeare hey yo oh yeah <laughs> so 
the poet Lord Byron was in love with Mary Chaworth, heiress of Ansley Hall, whose second cousin was shot dead by Byron's own uncle in a duel. So Byron wrote of his forbidden, uh, forbidden and ultimately unrecorded love in the poem The Dream, set on uh, Diadem Hill, a short walk from the ruins. Um, neglected in the graveyard of the ruined church stands a surprisingly nautical memorial of landlocked Nottinghamshire. The memorial is to Mary Chaworth's son, George Chaworth Musters, one of the number of naval officers in the family. Uh, George spent a year from 1869 to 1870 living with and learning about the, uh, te- I'm going to ruin this, <laughs> the Tehulche people of Southern Chile and Argentina, earning himself the nickname, the King of Patagonia. Interesting. <laughs> um, the house was sold by the Chaworth Musters family in 1972 and shortly afterward became inhabited, f- falling into and falling into much disrepair. Uh, it suffered a serious fire in 1997. And then in 2004, the house attained nor- nor- notoriety. Oh, God, I can't. Notoriety? Talk. Notoriety. Thank you. <laughs> When it was featured in the televised paranormal investigation called Most Haunted. I haven't watched, I'm, I kind of want to go watch this though, mm-hmm. if I can find it. But uh, <laughs> but it featured contact with the spirits of numerous, foreign ha- numerous former inhabitants, including ghost children, uh, hanged servants, uh, bereaved parents, and in... In fact, societal aristocrats. In 2015, the ruined mansion that had become popular with enthusiastic ghost hunting trespassers suffered an arson attack, uh, leaving it in its current state of just a haunting beauty. So it's pretty much just kind of like all burned. And but it still looks pretty. If you look at pictures, it looks kind of cool. So. Yeah, that was my favorite part about specifically driving through Ireland because we drove down the like southern part and then west over to the ring of carry so my absolute favorite part of just driving the back roads in ireland was driving by the ruins of a freaking castle oh it's just so cool oh it was badass especially because you know like i don't know what it is about in europe but when you see you know these um castles or mansions or anything that's just been burned and just left behind these beautiful vines just grow on it well and that part of the world is like that part of the civilized like established world i guess i should call it not civilized that's not fair to say um the the, i guess more industrialized part of the world is just so much older than ours Mm -hmm. because we only the you know the good old uh, Americans only decided to steal the U.S. from the Native Americans a couple hundred years ago. So, yeah, but it's just like they just make things look so beautiful there. I know, <laughs> so much better than here. Mm-hmm. I always say everywhere is better than here. <laughs> right now, I, feel I mean it's that true. <laughs> but I did look up. I haven't seen the episode of Most Haunted, but. I did look up a few things uh, about the episode and um, supposedly when they did that, um, that investigation, supposedly they think the ghost that they saw, it's always a woman in white. Always a woman in white. <laughs> but they think that Mary uh, Chayworth 
actually haunts the halls. Hmm. Or, well, the house, whatever, or the grounds. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't either. But okay. she lived there. Okay. And she was in love with Lord Byron. Gotcha. But it was like a Romeo and Juliet sort of kind of thing. Gotcha. Ish. <laughs> but so this, uh, the the house is actually privately owned and it's and it's all on private land as well so they don't really want people to go there but you can't you can't it can be viewed uh from the publicly accessible old church and churchyard which are signposted um from the a608 close to junction 27 this means nothing to me but if these you are, live these there are, these are highways i know okay. i figured but I know somebody who lives there. They're like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it's uh, close to um, Junction 27 of the M1 motorway. And the impressive view of the house can be had from the foot of Diadem Hill on the northbound carriageway of A611 Ansley Bypass. So you can check it out, but be careful because it is on private land. You never know. Um, somebody's watching. No trespassing. But you could probably see a ghost from the, you know, standing close to it. You don't have to actually go on the property. Mm-hmm. We, we don't really want to condone that. <laughs> if you know somebody that will let you in, then go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, but that's Ansley Hall. Interesting. <laughs> um, so the last one I picked, I actually pulled a lot of research on it, but I'm going to try to make it fast because I know that we're already on like a really long episode. Um. You London has a lot of stuff. You can't. And you can't talk about Haunted London without talking about the Tower of London. Yay! <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Um, so, for the, and I got to tell you, there are a couple of things that if you do not live over in that area, if you do not live in the UK or, or somewhere close by, if you are visiting or traveling to London as a tourist, there are a couple of things that you absolutely have to do. Obviously, you have to go to uh, Piccadilly Circus. You, because it's like the Times Square of England. You have to go to Westminster Abbey because it is the most hauntingly beautiful place you will ever go. Um, you have to see Big Ben, but also you have to visit the Tower of London. Pay the money, do the tour, have a guide. Like it's, you will spend all day there. Um, it, and it was probably my favorite thing that we did when we went to London because there was there's just so much history. Um, so it is, for those that don't know, I don't know how you don't, but if you don't, that's why you're here. It is a 900-year-old castle and fortress in central London that has housed many famous and infamous prisoners. And it also currently holds the crown jewels, which you can see they are on display. So throughout its history, it served many purposes, and it actually was the Royal Mint until the early 19th century. It actually held a menagerie as well, which left in 1835. It was a records office and armory barracks for troops, and until the 17th century, it was also used as a royal residence. So uh, this goes as far back as, as 1066, and... William the Conqueror actually created the first pieces of this place. 
So he lacked support among people in the city and uh, he actually feared its inhabitants would throw him out. Um, So William of Poitiers, an 11th century writer who described William the Conqueror and his conquests, wrote that, quote, certain strongholds were made in the city against the fickleness of the vast and fierce population. Sounds kind of like the U.S. Mm. It's almost like we came from there or something. Um. (laughs) So these would then become to, or these would then include what's now the White Tower, which is uh, the innermost building of the castle, which gained its name after the exterior was whitewashed in the 13th century by King Henry III. Um, So throughout its history, it was used to imprison a wide range of prisoners from deposed monarchs to more common criminals. And some famous prisoners included Lady Jane Grey, who was queen for a week. In sixteen, in the sixteenth century, she only she only survived a week. Only made it a week um, before she was deposed by Mary the First. Um, so also imprisoned were two princes, Edward and Richard, ages twelve and nine, who were the sons of Edward the Fourth. Um, and then they appear to have never left the tower alive. And I'll actually talk about that in my ghosty section. Yay, um, ghost section. Mm-hmm. They appear to have never left the tower alive, and some thought they were actually killed by Richard III, who was their uncle who took the throne for himself. <laughs> He's like, I'm taking this, it's mine. Bye-bye! <laughs> um, and two of Henry VIII's wives, Anne Boleyn and ha- Catherine Howard, were both imprisoned there and later executed. Um, Henry VIII, who turned England into a Protestant country, because, you know, when the Catholic Church won't let you divorce your wife or get an annulment, you create your own church. Right. Um, and they're <laughs> Protestant. Um, also had a number of dissenting clergymen who, uh, committed to the tower and later killed, including his former counselor poor sir thomas more um and then another notable prisoner was guy fox who in 1605 obviously you know remember remember the 5th of november the gunpowder curry plot blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah blah. um so attempted to blow up the house of lords and commons uh and the monarch by detonating gunpowder in the cellars below he was imprisoned in the tower and tortured that sounds lovely. They actually had, at, at least when I visited, there was a huge section that was a big Guy Fox exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super cool. But they talk about, you know, some of the different torture methods that they used on him. So um, to the point where they, for two two successive days, um, they he underwent the most excruciating torture and he didn't say anything except that the conspirators were 12 in number and he never mentioned their names. Wow. And he was executed shortly after. <laughs> hey, that is a ride or die right there. Yeah. Like, nope, I'll tell you how many there are, but I ain't saying nothing. You're going to kill me anyway, so what difference does it make? Um, so the history of torture at the Tower of London is a very popular subject. However, uh, not many of the prisoners, particularly those of no- noble birth, were treated well. Oh, Actually, many of them were treated well. Um, so in some cases, they were even allowed to have servants at the tower and leave the castle at times. <laughs> you just get out of prison on a day pass. It's like work for wow. a while. Yeah. Um, so one of the uh, best dis- de- uh, descriptions of torture actually comes from Jean Girard, a Jesuit who was imprisoned in 1594 during a time of religious upheaval. Um, he actually later escaped and survived to tell a tale of being tortured in what appears to be the basement of white tower and it basically involves them like you know fastening him up in different things and then fastening his arms over his head and hanging him up to just stay there forever 
sounds <laughs> not fun. Um, so then moving forward in the late 18th and 19th centuries, the tower is actually used less commonly for prisoners. And the last prisoner of note to spend time in the tower was Rudolf Hess, who was Hitler's deputy, who fled to Scotland in 1941 and was sent to the tower briefly until he, um, he was actually finally, you know, tried at Nuremberg and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... The crown jewels are there. I want to see these. It's spectacular. There's nothing like it. Um, so they're one of the most popular attractions there. Um, and they include crowns worn by the monarch at coronation and at the opening of parliament. Ugh. And the tower was used also as a repository for a royal treasure that began in 1303. And actually, a number of treasures were stolen from the Abbey of St. Peter at Westminster. Um, But the remaining were brought to the tower, which was the most heavily fortified spot in London for safekeeping. And a new jewel house was built against the south side of the White Tower in 1508. Much of the separate regalia was destroyed in the mid-17th century when England became a republic for a very brief period of time. Um, But the oldest piece of uh, monarchy regalia is a 12th century gold anointing spoon used to anoint the sovereign with holy oil oh i know i wouldn't have thought it was a spoon but you know here we are (laughs) um there is also a very extensive collection of armor and there's a specific exhibit called the line of kings and i remember seeing this it's freaking enormous uh and it's a It started at the tower about 300 years ago, and it features such items as a life-size wooden horse carved about right around the year 1690 and a set of armor gilded with gold that was created for Charles I. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the yeoman warders, or Uh also known as beef eaters. For those of you who don't know, these are the folks that uh, are on the outside of the beef eater gin. That's why they're on there. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So they like they guard the tower today and um most of them were actually docents when I went and I'm pretty sure that's who give gave our tour. Um they were first mentioned about 500 years ago and they were often uh f- they often kind of formed and acted like a little friendly society sharing by way of dividends the rewards of their official and unofficial duties so there was more money to be made renting out parts of the grounds and showing visitors around they're super nice guys and i remember one of them had asked uh on our tour like oh who here's from the united states and a bunch of us raised our hands and he just looked at us and said welcome home (laughs) (laughs) um and then also you may have heard about some of the ravens that uh collaborate or not collaborate that hang around the tower and such so they reside over in the tower and they are cared for by the yeoman warder raven master and according Ah. to uh, so i actually found this on the tower of london website um legend says that the tower and the monarchy will fall if the six ravens ever leave the fortress um charles ii is said to have been the first monarch to insist that the ravens be protected he did so despite the protests of royal astronomer john flamsteed who complained that the ravens kept leaving droppings on his telescope (laughs) um and according to legend this led charles to move the royal observatory to greenwich but i'm pretty sure that their wings are clipped so they can't leave that's cheating 
Aww. You know. Well, oh. yep. that's sad. Yep. But let's talk about a couple ghosts. I'll try to keep this short. Yes. Um, I found a lot of ghost stories, but I'm going to try to keep this. I- I'm going to read fast and keep this short. Um, so, <laughs> I-, I love it anyway. Yeah, there's lots. Um, so there are the two young princes that I mentioned that were murdered, that nobody was really sure who murdered them. Uh, many people have actually reported two small shattery figures resembling little lost boys holding hands um, who have commonly been seen in the White Tower and they drift from rooms and melt into walls there are lots and lots and lots of stories of Anne Boleyn who was of course imprisoned in the tower and beheaded um, and she has been spotted in many different parts of the Tower of London both roaming the inside of buildings and the outside upon the tower green and this is the really creepy part so I don't know if you've ever heard that super old uh, Halloween song that talks about uh, walking around with her head tucked underneath her arm well, apparently Anne Boleyn's ghost is headless Ooh. and it's just her headless torso that paces through the tower at night. And it's most frequently spotted in the chapel of St. Peter, where she was buried following her execution. Awesome. Um, so in 1864, it's actually recorded that a soldier guarding the tower saw the headless figure of Anne panicked and tried to stab it with his bayonet. And it, of course, went straight through her ghostly figure and the soldier fainted in fright and was about to be court-martialed for being asleep on duty however many other guards came forward and claims that they had also seen the ghost of Anne that night while on duty Mm. Mm -hmm. so she was actually originally buried beneath the floor of saint peter's chapel Um, but then in 1876 queen victoria ordered that the bodies in the chapel should be exhumed and buried more appropriately so a short while later one of the captains of the guard was patrolling the tower at night and saw a strange flickering light in the chapel he climbed to one of the windows and pressed his face into the glass and uh he actually saw this was super creepy he saw this big procession of lords and ladies and knights in armor and at the center of the festivity was a small delicately dressed woman he identified her as being Anne Boleyn. Um, he sat and remained at the window and watched all of these little ghostly figures. And then a few minutes later, the light faded out and all of the ghosts disappeared into thin air. Ugh. Creepy. That's really creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously there's lots and lots and lots of stories of, you know, a white woman floating around or the woman in white. I mean, you've mentioned, I mentioned they're freaking everywhere. There's but always a woman in white. There's always white. a woman in white. So oftentimes visitors glimpse a figure in white in the corner of their eyes. And then very suddenly they smell a terrible pungent smell of an old overpowering perfume. And some visitors then describe the feeling of the world closing in around them. And then chills run down from their neck and their spine. And in recent years, tourists actually have reported a sensation that something's tapping them on the shoulder. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah creepy um and then the last story that i actually found on the the tower of london's website um this one's kind of creepy and it has to do with the old armor of king henry the eighth uh supposedly it's possessed by a malevolent ghost so over the years yep many guards have reported horrible sensations when they 
uh, been patrolling the Tower of London. Different men and women have described feelings of dread or chills running through their spine when entering a particular chamber. However, some guards have told truly harrowing experiences. Some describing walking into a room and feeling like they're being crushed alive. Some say that it feels like a demon has jumped in from the ceiling, wrapped its arms around their chest, and is trying to suffocate them. Where's the sage? Sage's room. I know, Um, right? (laughs) And then others say that it feels like an invisible monster is trying to strangle them. They felt a tight grip of hands around their neck. They've stumbled, grasping for oxygen into another room. There's even a tale which tells of a guard being assaulted by a ghost wielding a visible cloak. And as the as the guard struggled, the felt cloak wrapped right around his neck. He managed to escape the room, but his assailant was invisible and the remaining bright red marks on his neck were actually real um and all these stories of suffocation and strangling have one thing in common they occur in the room that's storing henry VIII's armor so wherever it's moved within the tower of london the experiences happen in that same room doesn't matter where it is yep it's always where they happen um so now it's on plain display in the tower but you know Oh my Vis- gosh. Visit at your own risk. <laughs> and that is the Tower of London. Yay. So many places I want to go. I know. So much haunted stuff. I know. That's like a big one. That and then the the dungeon. Oh, it was so fun. For it's, sure. It's, it's super fun to go and visit. <laughs> well, that's it for our episode, you guys. That's it for today. We really hope that you enjoyed it. and it, It's a long one. We're sorry. Yeah, but I hope you're making a list. Checking it twice. <laughs> for your trip to London when we can travel again because they ain't letting us in right now. No, I don't blame them. <laughs> but also, I know that the UK is um, struggling with that uh, super spreader strain of COVID right now. it's not more lethal it's just more infectious yes but like us on facebook follow us on instagram our handle is the squad ghouls uh visit our website we have merch yes lots of fun stuff your dog is cold get a hoodie your dog is cold buy a dog hoodie um (laughs) and you can also contact us so if you have um ideas feedback questions comments burning desires you can either fill it out on our website that little lovely contact form or you can email us yes the squad ghouls at gmail.com Yes, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.